Proverbs chapter 6, and we want to look at verse 16. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that devised wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. I want to home in on the first thing mentioned there. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are abomination unto him. A proud look. Proud look. Proverbs chapter 16. Chapter 16, just a few pages over. Chapter 16 and verse 18. You know this probably by heart, but Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 18. Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. Now, Proverbs 21 and verse 4. Just a few pages over. Proverbs 21 and verse 4. And a high look and a proud heart and the plowing of the wicked is sin. 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. And we'll use this to compose our message and thought today. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that the word still has all the answers. If we will take the time and the heartfelt purpose of searching the scriptures and conveying and uh, communicating with the Holy Spirit, we will get everything we need from your word. So, Lord, I ask that you would bless this today. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe we all have a problem with pride. I know I do. Um, we have it through our lives. And God hates it. God hates pride. God cannot operate in the same vicinity as pride. So we want to look at what I've called the great sin. Uh, the great sin in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 16 uh, John writes on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says in verse 15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And he goes on in verse 16, and he tells us that the pride of life is not of the Father. Now, pride. Let's examine some of the things that God says about pride, and let's examine why God hates pride. God hates pride. He hates our proudness. He hates our, our so-called manufactured uh, sophistication, if you will. Pride was the very first sin to destroy the calm of all eternity. Calm in eternity was disrupted by pride. And it was pride that cast Lucifer down from heaven. It was pride that cost our first parents their place in paradise. Now, you know Lucifer and the story of Lucifer before he was called the devil. Lucifer's reign as the anointed cherub that covereth was God's most high priest in the mountain of God. Lucifer was the highest ranking angel that God created until he sinned and he became Satan. He said in Isaiah, he said, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? How art thou cut down to the earth or to the ground, rather, which didst weaken the nations? Sin was born in the heart of Lucifer in the form of pride. He said, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation. I will ascend uh, above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High Himself. Pride, pride is the first sin to enter man's heart 
And pride is the last sin to leave man's heart. Uh, no sin is more offensive to God than the sin of pride. Uh, pride has been referred to as the complete anti-God state of mind. It, it militates against God's authority and God's law and God's rule. And this is why the Bible equates rebellion with witchcraft in 1 Samuel chapter 15. Pride assaults God's throne. It asserts its independence in an attempt to dislodge God and overthrow God as the sovereign of a universe or a life. God and pride is like oil and water. They do not mix. Pride is dogmatic in its antagonism toward God. And God is absolute in His opposition toward pride. The Creator never has and never will compromise on pride or any other sin. But He will never compromise on pride. Humility is the foundation of all virtue. But pride is the essence of all sin. The world system operates on the basis of pride. For all that is in the world is lust and pride. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 16. Pride and lust are root sins in which all other sins spring from. Pride is the mother of all evil. God detests pride. He hates a proud look. Proverbs 6 and verse 16. God's loathing of pride is unalterable. For everyone, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 5, everyone that is of a proud heart is an abomination to the Lord. But why does God hate pride so fiercely? Why does God hate pride so fiercely? Well, pride is satanic. Pride is satanic. Never forget that God did not make the devil. Lucifer only became the devil when he arrogantly became infatuated with himself. Yes, Lucifer is a created being. God said, thou was perfect in thy ways from the day thou was created. Till iniquity was found in thee. Ezekiel 28 and verse 15. He was a beautiful, a powerful, an intelligent, and a very gifted cherub. He fell from the perfect estate when his heart was lifted up because of his own beauty and his own brightness. Chapter 28 and verse 17 of Ezekiel. No longer was he willing to be subservient to the Creator. Staggering pride was evident in his life. And it was entirely to blame for the tragedy in heaven. Again, Isaiah reverberates in, in the words of God. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation. I will ascend above the heights of the heavens. I will be like the most high God. Self-will displaced God's will and the devil emerged and it's been said, man is never more like the devil than when he's full of himself. The devil, man is never more like the devil when man is full of himself. It can be said another way. That man is never more like the devil than when he is full of self-will. When he thinks that he knows more than God or he can do something to compliment God. You cannot compliment something or someone who is the epitome of perfection. Jesus Christ, God's Son, Jesus Christ died on the cross. He gave the perfect sacrifice. He was the perfect Lamb. He is the embodiment, not imperfection, but perfection. The Bible strictly forbids placing a novice in leadership in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 6. 
For the Bible says, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. It was pride that caused Lucifer's fall and subsequent condemnation. I know what it's like to be a young preacher and be lifted up among people. When God called me to preach at age 13, I began preaching immediately in places everywhere around. Before long, the crowds got bigger, the churches got bigger, and the invitations got far more than I wanted or really could entertain as a student in high school. I was going across four and five different states. I tell you not that to to give you a broad picture of my greatness at all. I tell you that to tell you this, that God took me off that pedestal and He took me from someone who was preaching 50 sometimes a year in churches and left me on a, a, a shelf and I was only preaching about three times in the year. Why? Because God can put a little, little limp in your get-along when you get prideful. And I know exactly what Paul is saying to Timothy, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. It was pride that caused Lucifer's fall and subsequent condemnation. The snare of pride is a deadly peril in which converts should never be willingly subjected. Nothing does more to set a person out to the devil's reach uh, uh, away away from Satan than being humble. Nothing can do more than... Uh, allow, nothing can, can make you more usable or serviceable, if you will, in the presence and the power of God than allowing yourself to be humble before Him. Now, not only is pride satanic, but pride spawns prayerlessness. Pride spawns prayerlessness. Once Solomon had completed the temple, the Lord instructed Israel on the proper way to approach Him in a time of judgment. If the heavens withheld rain on account of their sins or disobedience caused God to send pestilence among His people, then they were to pray toward the Lord's house. But even before they prayed, turned from their wicked ways and sought the face of God, they needed to first humble themselves. 2 Chronicles 7 and verse 14. Humble yourselves. God required the people who were called by His name to humble themselves before they prayed, before they repented. So why does humility precede prayer? Why does humility come before turning from wicked ways? Well, the the reason humility precedes prayer is because there can be no real prayer without humility. There can be no real prayer without humility. Proverbs speaks of a man who brazenly turns his ear from the law in verse, uh, chapter 28 and verse 9. And the Bible says, even his prayer shall be abomination. Prayerlessness is the first sign of pride. May I ask you a question without sounding hypocritical because the same question applies to me? How's your prayer life? How are you praying? How much are you praying? How much are we praying? Prayerlessness is the first sign of pride. And it has been said, God's power will never fall until we fall. Proud people don't pray. Proud people don't need God. In essence, that's the message being sent to heaven. I don't pray. I don't talk to you. I don't need you. I can handle it. I'm in control. Proud people do not pray. In fact, the only people who pray are those who need God know they need God, and can't go on without God. Humility is the altar in which God wishes wishes us to offer Him sacrifices. 
Prayerlessness is spawned by pride. Now finally, number three, pride brings conflict. Pride brings conflict. Why are there so many splintered relationships? Why are there so many broken marriages? Why are there so many broken homes? Why are there so many church splits? The scripture gives us a short answer in Proverbs 13 and verse 10. Only by pride cometh contention. Only by pride cometh contention. Just as surely as pride erects a barrier between us and God, it also builds a wall between us and others. Pride can keep you from apologizing to someone when you've been wrong or you've done them wrong. Pride can cause you to defend yourself. Pride can cause you to look down on others. If you allow it, pride can rob you of the most treasured relationships in your life. The Bible says in Proverbs 28 and verse 25, He that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife. He that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife. Humbling ourselves is the only way to get the roof off toward God and the walls down toward our fellow man. And once offenses have been committed, whether intentional or unintentional, they must be dealt with. It must have a heart of saying, I was wrong, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And with those healing words in a humble spirit, only that can be used to heal a relationship. And whenever you find a man or a woman willing to humble themselves before God and man, you found someone that will be exalted before God because humility comes before honor. Humility comes before honor. Not only does pride bring conflict, but pride results in gossip. The Bible says in Psalm 31 and verse 20, Thou shalt hide them from the pride of man. Thou shalt keep them from the strife of tongues. Evil speaking, slander, gossip are the direct result of pride. Are you guilty? Hey, I've been guilty, haven't you? The, the direct result of pride. And that comes no surprise since the word devil comes from the word uh, the, Greek, the, the, the word diabolos, which means slanderer. He is a slanderer. Well, one of the Puritans even said, He that receives a slander carries the devil in his ear. And he that commits a slander carries the devil in his tongue. Where Satan doesn't go personally, he sends a critic. Once a Sunday school teacher gave a, a Sunday school lesson about the parable of the Pharisee and the publican. And the Pharisee stood and he prayed with himself, thanking God that he was not like other men adulterers and extortioners and publicans and the teacher the teacher really blasted the Pharisee because of, the, of his proud his, con, his condemning attitude he was glorying in the fact that he was better than, than common sinners not as other men and as the class ended the teacher said students let's bow our heads now and thank the Lord that we're not like these Pharisees before a man can look down on another he must first assume he's better than the person he's speaking against Think about that. A proud man is suspicious of everyone. A humble man is more suspicious of his own heart. Of his own heart than anyone else. The proud heart will detect defects in others because of him uh, before himself. A humble soul sees the evil in his own heart before he sees evil in others. John Wesley said this, Gossip is anything you would say about someone that you wouldn't say if they were standing in front of you. Pretty good advice. 
The only reason for character assassination is making an unfavorable comparison is to exalt oneself. And before speaking against that fellow human being, one first must establish himself as a judge. And the maligning character, the maligning of character can only be explained in the terms of pride. The connection between pride and slander is clearly seen in Psalm 101. Whoso privily slandereth his neighbor in verse 5, him will I cut off. Him that hath an high look and a proud heart will I not suffer. Pride is also deceptive. A young man responded at the invitation. He told his pastor that he had come to rededicate his life to Christ. And the pastor said, wonderful, just kneel right here and, and confess your sins to God. And to, and to which the man replied, pastor, I can't think of any sins to confess. The pastor said, son, just guess at it. And you know what? The young man got up right on the first try. Pride is not just thinking about how we are better than others, but is thinking we are better than we are. We are better than we are. Now sometimes you may pray and you may confess your sins to God and you say, now God, I can't remember anything that I've done recently. You keep on praying and I guarantee the Holy Spirit will reveal something to you that you must confess. Because while you're praying, your heart is tenderizing and that pride is disseminating and God is grabbing a hold of the moment and He's teaching you. Pride is the disposition to exalt self, to get above others, and to conceal defects. Ever since the fall of man, man has had the tendency to confess someone else's sin instead of his own. God comes to the garden and Adam says, she did it. <laughs> she did it. Thousands of years later, we're still saying, she did it. <laughs> Somebody else did it. The reason man's heart is so deceitful is because of inborn haughtiness. The Bible says in Jeremiah 49 and verse 16, Thy terribleness hath deceived thee, and the pride of thine heart. Contrary to people's thinking, contrary to popular thinking, we are not good people who happen to do bad things. We are sinners through and through. And it is the deceptive nature of pride that brings such reluctance to admit our sin. The reason why we have pride and the reason why we have uh, uh, the sin in our life is because we do not go to God and confess it. It is a daily instance. I'm telling you, it's sometimes an hourly. Sometimes minute by minute you've got to pray. Oh God, please remove this from my thoughts. The battle is real. Pride is deceptive. Pride will make a false boast. Samson, he went and killed a lion with his bare hands and he didn't even go home and tell his parents. I'm going to tell you, if I killed anything with my bare hands, you're going to know it. I'm going to get in Robbins. I'm going to tell everybody on the square. I'm going to call the pilot. I'm going to get on the internet, Facebook. I killed a lion and you're not paying enough attention. Spurgeon commented, if a modern Christian had as much killed a church mouse, he would have published it in the local Gospel Gazette. Samson didn't even go home and tell his own parents. Man may be reluctant to acknowledge his wrongs, but most are quick to publicize their accomplishments. 
The Bible says in Proverbs 20 and verse 6, most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness. The Bible warns us about thinking more highly than ourselves than we ought. No man is, has a right to, to have an inflated view of himself. Yet we do. Under the influence of pride, a man takes on the air of a master. He's more likely to instruct others than inquire for himself. A humble Christian wants help from everybody, but a spiritually proud person thinks everybody wants his help. What can I do for God? The proud man believes he's accomplished what God and others have accomplished in him. He seeks credit for things which he cannot rightly take credit for. Talent, intellect, abilities, health, life itself are gifts from God. Never forget that. The Bible says that it is of God's mercies that we are not consumed. It is of God's love that we have been drawn to Him. It is because of His everlasting arms being, being under us that we're kept. We're kept by His power. It is by His faith that we are saved. It is by His blood that we are cleansed. It is by His righteousness by which we are clothed. It is by His power by which we are kept. It is His grace that we are sustained. It is His intercession by which we are delivered. It is His goodness by which we have repentance. And it is in the indwelling Spirit of God in which we are filled. All that God has for His people is from the Father. All is through the Son. And all is through the Holy Spirit. Never forget that. Of what can we boast of? Why, if we would get on our knees and plead with God, God, we need you, there would be no end to what we could do, or rather what God could do in us. Spurgeon was known to preach powerful sermons by man's standard. And as soon as he had finished his message, one day the devil whispered into his ear, he said, Spurgeon, oh, that was a fine sermon. You preach magnificently. And for a moment he agreed with the devil. I sure I did. <laughs> Everybody needs a little pat on the back every now and then. Leaving the pulpit, a deacon came up to him and said, Pastor, that was a masterpiece. Spurgeon said, Oh, you're too late. The devil just told me that moments ago. Pride can produce a false boast. But pride brings shame as well. Culture is the externalization of religion. And so when a culture calls good evil and evil good, it indicates corrupt religion dominates that society. And never doubt that all men worship something. If not the true God, then they worship other things, or they worship something else, or they worship themselves. Our society glories in things which, which it should be ashamed of. Three factors contributed to the sin of, the Sodom, the, the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 16 and verse 49, This was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom, pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness. Pride, fullness of bread, and the abundance of idleness. Now reading the Word of God and reading the very cause that contribute to the sin and the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah, cannot you see America there? Pride, fullness of bread, Fullness of everything. We've got everything we ever wanted. We have no wants. Oh, you may want something you don't have. But you go home today, you've got lunch, you've got food, you've got clothes, you've got everything you want. And you have abundance of idleness. We're on these things all the time. We don't talk to people in the same room, we text them. We don't talk to people at the dinner, dinner table, we text them. Hey, pass me the corn. Send the steak down here. 
We should note carefully that according to Proverbs 11 and verse 2, when pride cometh, then cometh shame. Pride was the foundation in which homosexuality sprang to life in Sodom and Gomorrah. After his journey through the valley of humiliation, Nebuchadnezzar realized this, Daniel chapter 4 and verse 37, those who walk in pride, he is able to abase. Those who walk in pride, he, God, is able to abase. He surely learned the proverb, a man's pride shall bring him low. Proverbs 29 and verse 23. We've all got a problem with this problem of pride. Pride not only brings shame, but pride precedes fall. Those who built the Titanic announced that the great ship was unsinkable. And with boldness and great confidence, they boasted in great safety that the vessel afforded. And on its maiden voyage, nothing less. On its maiden voyage, that unsinkable ship, guess what? Sank. Thousands were lost. The Titanic mentality of invincibility sets the stage for what? Collapse. Collapse. You want to fall fat on, flat on your face? Fat too. You want to fall flat on your face before God? You get a prideful and haughty spirit. He will bring you down low. He will abase you. Repeatedly the scripture warns of pride precipitating a fall. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 16 and verse 18. Isaiah 2 and verse 11, The lofty looks of man shall be humbled, and the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down, and the Lord alone shall be exalted. Uzziah was greatly blessed. He was marvelously helped till he was strong. But when he was strong, the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 26, when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. He transgressed by entering the temple to offer incense on the altar. And when confronted by the priest, Uzziah became furious. While he was holding the censer in his hand, God smote him with leprosy and rose up in his forehead and he lost the throne and was a leper the rest of his life. In Acts chapter 12, Herod arrayed himself in royal apparel. He sat upon his throne. He made an eloquent and compelling speech to the people and the people began to praise him for his eloquence and because of Herod's prideful heart that he gave not God the glory for which he had done. The angel of the Lord smote him and he was eaten alive of worms. Why? Because he gave not God the glory. God not only dwells in the high and holy places, he also dwells with him that is of a contrite and humble spirit. Isaiah 57 and verse 15. The man who sits nearest the dust sits nearest to heaven. The only way, economically, spiritually, in any facet of explanation, the only way to rise in God's standard is to go lower. You want to be a big shot in front of God? And you've got to humble yourself. The man who sits nearest the dust sits nearest heaven. It is in the valley of humiliation that leads to the mount of transfiguration. He that is low need fear no fall. Andrew Murray said, Welcome everything that helps you on toward humility. That's tough, but that's what he said. I'll call your attention to one more scripture. I'll read it to you. You don't have to turn there, but 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 and 6. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 and 6. 
God desires for us to humble ourselves. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 and 6, the Bible says, Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may what? Exalt you in due time. Listing all the sins of pride, all the byproducts of pride, could go on and on. But his, its per- pervasiveness in our lives cannot be overstated. Haughtiness, arrogance, conceit, inordinate self-esteem, vainglory are as common as the air we breathe. Pride is a sin to be hated. It is a sin to be confessed. It is a sin to mourn over. It is a sin to flee. It's a sin to fight against. William Law wrote this. He said, pride must die or nothing in heaven can live inside of you. Pride must die or nothing in heaven can live inside of you. God resisteth the proud, the Bible says. He gives grace to the humble. Humility is the royal insignia that marks God's true people even though it is the saint's hardest conflict. When you see a humble servant of God, when you see a humble person filled with the Spirit, they have literally the insignia of glory marked upon them because God can use them and exalt them. The first step in becoming humble is realizing that we're proud. (laughs) The first step in Realizing and wanting and desiring to become humble is to realize that you're proud. Then you must take the witness stand and, and against yourselves and plead a guilty as charged. I'm guilty of pride, uh, being pride, prideful. Continually, continually we must bring pride to the foot of the cross. Do you realize this morning there is not one sin that cannot be washed away? By the precious blood that was shed on the cross of Calvary. Not one sin that cannot be washed away. Bring it to the foot of the cross. Surveying the wondrous cross, it will make you see your contempt and pride. It will cause you to have an ease ease in your soul in confessing your sin to Him. It will cause your spirit to be Crushed in the fact that He has suffered your hell for your sin. And even though pride is hateful to God, the powerful blood of Jesus Christ cleanses it away. He wants it out of His sight. He hates pride. If pride is the evil of evils, then humility is the virtue of virtues. And like the pearl of great price, it's worth selling all to obtain. Humility is our responsibility. Humility is a choice. But so is pride. How do you plead this morning? If you were on the witness stand before God and God says, explain to me why you're full of pride. Would you plead guilty? I am prideful. Would God see brokenness in your heart? Brokenness in your spirit? I'm telling you. Moreover, God's telling us we need some brokenness in our hearts. 
The list could go on and on what this preacher or any other preacher could say. Oh, we need to be broken about souls. Oh, we need to be broken about giving. Oh, we need to be broken about missions. God will take care of all of that if we're broken about God. If we want to become so much like Him that we think like Him, that we breathe like Him, that we read the Word of God and everything that we see, we saturate, we soak it up like a sponge and we become more like God. That's what the Holy Spirit does. You see, pride grieves God. Brokenness secures grace. Pride sets you up for a fall, but brokenness prepares a way for God's favor. Pride spawns competition, but brokenness builds a community. Pride keeps you from praying. Brokenness causes you to pray. Pride keeps you from seeking God's face, but brokenness encourages you to seek God's face. Pride is characterized in the Word of God by a stiff neck. Brokenness is exemplified by a bowed head. Pride will fragment families. But brokenness will reconcile families. Pride generates contention. But brokenness invites unity. Pride is the mother of all rebellion. But brokenness is the heart of submission. Pride compares self against others. I'm smarter than you. I'm cleaner than you. I'm stronger than you. Brokenness compares ourselves with Christ and concludes, as Paul did, I'm the chief of sinners. Pride reflects the nature of Satan. Brokenness mirrors the image of Christ. Pride seeks recognition from men. Brokenness seeks the approval of God. Pride will make you cover up and hide from others. Brokenness frees you to be transparent and honest. Pride makes you think highly of yourself. Brokenness enables you to think more highly of others. Pride is quick to detect pride in others. But brokenness is quick to identify pride in oneself. Pride will make you very critical. But brokenness will make you very compassionate. Pride will say while I'm sitting here listening to this message, boy, I hope so and so is listening to this. This is good. I hope it burns their onion. Compassion says, oh God. That was for me. Pride puffs us up. It swells our head. Brokenness brings perspective. It breaks our heart. Pride brings crustiness. It hardness. Brokenness brings pliability. Pride is consumed but with I. I, I, I. We all got eye trouble at times. Brokenness says, not I but Christ. Pride makes the fault of others look big and my faults look small. Brokenness says my sins look big and the fault of others is small. Pride defends its rights. Brokenness dies to its rights. Pride breeds complacency Brokenness births hunger and thirst 
for new spiritual planes in the will of God. Pride will cause you to cover sin. Brokenness will discover sin. Pride barricades you from God. Brokenness demolishes that barrier and invites you to the throne room of God. Pride disregards the chief cornerstone. Brokenness falls upon the chief cornerstone. Would you be willing this morning to say, God, just take my stiff neck from me. Oh God, may I confess this sin of pride. Reason why God's not blessing churches and not giving us spiritual energy is because we are full of ourselves. And it must be discovered and it must be expressed and moreover, it must be confessed. And repentance must take hold in our thoughts and in our hearts. Let's stand. Father.